2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And beginning in verse 12 through 16 will be our passage that we will look at today. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The apostle Paul has come to Troas. And he is supposed to meet with Titus, his helper and assistant. He has been very concerned about the church in Corinth. Corinth was a church he planted, he started it, and it's very, uh, got a very strategic location for him uh, in his mission plan. And the church at Corinth seems to just be coming apart. So he sends Titus who is a Gentile convert to Corinth to check on them. And he wants to hear back from Titus, and he gets to Troas where he's supposed to meet Titus, and Titus doesn't even show up. So now he's worried about Titus, and he's worried about Corinth. Maybe uh, Titus himself has abandoned the faith. And so the anxieties are just heavy on him. He's he's preaching here in in Troas. He says in verse 12, an open door was for me and the Lord and I to preach the gospel. So he said, I so he set about to preach, but verse 13 he says, I just could not find a peace without Titus coming back and giving me a report. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. That was part of the way to Corinth, uh, hoping to meet Titus there. And Titus does show up, he's doing well, and he brings a good report of the church in Corinth. So Paul breaks out in this song in verse 14, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, and he says, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph, See, he doesn't want them to think that because he was anxious or because it looked like things were bad, that things were actually bad. Now, Paul is not saying here, look at this black page and call it white. He's not saying there's global warming when it's polar vortex outside. This is not what he's doing here. He's saying... I want you to know that even in the times of my great anxiety, I had victory in Jesus because I am following in the train of His triumph. He says in verse 14, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in this triumphal procession. And then through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one it's a fragrance, verse 16, of death. And the other it's a fragrance of life unto life. Who is sufficient for these things? The background that Paul is using here and the reference he makes to this triumphant procession is something, is taken right out of the practice in the first century where when a Roman general, and Corinth was part of 
the Roman Empire. And a Roman general would be sent out from Rome to put down a revolt or rebellion. And, and in a, some uh, grandiose victory would win the spoils of war, take thousands of captives. You had to have a minimum of 5,000 captives in order to get this ticker tape parade. And when he comes back into Rome, they march him down the streets. Give me that uh, next slide. This will give you a little bit of what they would do. Um, notice the, the, the servant who's standing in the chariot with the Roman general uh, with the crown over his head showing the, the victory. And they would march through the streets of Rome and it's like a ticker tape parade when, you, when you've had this victory and everybody's standing alongside. And give me that next one. Um, this shows you kind of, uh, this is out of a movie, Ben Heard, I think reflects something of the size and grandeur of these parades. Um, and you would have in front of you the entire Senate of Rome would be marching. And behind them would be all these bulls that were going to be sacrificed, and then behind them... Uh, would be the captains of the enemy army in chains. And they would be marched behind the sacrificial animals. And then behind these captains and prisoners of war rode the Roman general who won the battle. And then behind his chariot would be his family. And then behind... Uh, them would perhaps be the spoils of war. Sometimes they would even take pieces of ships that they had defeated and break off the front part and, and put it on some kind of an ancient float. And they would push that down, uh, pull that down through Main Street in Rome. And then behind, of course, the, the commander-in-chief, the Roman general, in his chariot pulled by four great white horses would be the soldiers who shared in his victory and in his honor. And on each side of the parade route, the people would be lined up and there would be these, these incense altars that constantly giving off the fragrance which smelled so good it was the smell of victory if you were a soldier in the army. But it was the fragrance of death if you were one of the captives. Because the captives were headed right to the gladiator pit. They were headed to the Colosseum for the sport of the multitudes. But for the for the victors, for the conquerors, marching in the train of this general who had won the battle. If you were a soldier, it was the smell of victory. Now this is the background from which Paul writes this text. And he says, look, I, I was so worried about everything. I was worried about the church. I was worried about Titus. But he says, I want you to know that as I move in my life following Jesus Christ, I am following one who is going from victory unto victory. 
I am not in any sense defeated, and I am not in any sense despairing of the future of the Christian faith. Jesus is the conqueror. I am aligned with him, and I am in that triumphal procession of King Jesus who wins the victory. Now that is Paul's idea here. That's the background from which he writes this word to Rome. Just one uh, quick point to be made. Um, There is this idea here that as you align yourself with Christ and His mission and you follow Him, some people are going to like it. And some in society will not. You see in verse... Uh, 15, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And we are also uh, an incense or a fragrance among those who are perishing. Verse 16, to one a fragrance of death. Just one death to another, one bad event to another. To another a fragrance of life unto life. It's according to what side you're on. The incense was wonderful based on which side you're on. Because if the fragrance came and you were in the, in the Roman army marching at behind your conquering king, the fragrance was just a reminder of victory. But if you were a captive, that incense, that odor that filled the city was a reminder that this bad bondage I now am under is only going to get worse and I'm headed for the the Colosseum and, and death. And this is the message. When we preach Jesus is the Lord and we align ourselves with His mission and His kingdom and His march through history, and His victory at the cross and in the resurrection and the ascension. Uh, We have an impact on people. Now, if you just stay quiet, it's not so bad. But when you align yourself with the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and the actual authority of the Bible and the actual saving power of the gospel, Something begins to happen to people. Um, I want to give an illustration, and and in giving you this illustration, I can also tell you where I've been for two weeks. Uh, Give me the uh, picture of Southern Seminary. This is where I go every two weeks. Uh, It's about a 100-acre campus, and um, I usually stay on on your right-hand side in what's called a legacy center. It's kind of like a hotel. The library is on the other side, and, and there's, you have to walk. So if I look like I've lost weight, I haven't. Uh, but anyway, it's good for me to be there. And this is Al Moeller in the right-hand side down in the corner. He came about 20 years ago to Southern Seminary. They had about 2,000 students. And when he came, Southern Seminary, which is... Uh, from our denomination, a Baptist seminary from our denomination. It was the first and kind of the flagstaff 
seminary for our denomination, and it was liberal. The, the professors did not believe the book of Genesis. They did not believe the saving power of the gospel. They did not believe the virgin birth. They did not believe the Bible was the word of God. And you wonder, why are they there? Why, you know, you tell me. I don't know. But they were liberal. And, and when Al Mohler went there over 20 years ago, he was a conservative, Bible-believing Christian with a Ph.D., and the trustees appointed him to clean up the seminary. He went in and he would ask the teachers, "Do you? Uh, some of the students have said you've been teaching this, saying this. Is this true? Because, you know, we're, we're supported by churches all over the nation who expect to send their young men and women here to train for ministry who believe the Bible. We don't want you to undermine what people are sending you here to support. I actually had a friend who went to Southern over 20 years ago, and uh, he went in on fire for God and came out a liberal. And I don't even know if he's in the ministry today. So Al Mohler was sent there by the trustees of our denomination to clean up the liberalism at Southern Seminary. And there was over 50 faculty that said, we don't want him, we don't like him, we don't like you. And it got so bad that uh, they would, or somebody would call him when he's on a trip. They'd call him and they'd say, uh, we just want you to know we have a, a rifle trained and your little boy is in the crosshairs of the scope of our rifle. I mean, you know, it'd freak him out. So he'd call his wife at home, tell get our children out of the front yard. And they had to actually... Put this man in a bulletproof vest and put in his office bulletproof glass out of concern for his life. The toleration just went out the window. But here was my question was why were they so hostile to him? It is because when you bring a clear message and you align your life with Jesus Christ, it is a fragrance of death to many. Because if what you're saying is true, that's bad news for me and all my friends. Now, that's only if you're on the wrong side. If you're in His army and joined His and part of his, uh, under his command, commandeering then, and under his lordship and under his kingship and you're following him and in, you're, you're joined in his battles, you fight his battles, then the smell of the gospel, the fragrance of his message is good. It smells like victory. But not if you're in unbelief. And so that's why there's such a hostility. That's why there's such a resistance to it. It's because it reminds them that they are on the wrong side of this battle and they are going to lose. So and I, just to add this, there's a Presbyterian seminary right across the street from this seminary. And it's also a denominational seminary. Southern Seminary today 
20 years later after Al Mohler went there, they said this will die if you turn this into a Bible-believing, conservative uh, uh, seminary supported by the churches. It now has 4,400 students. That's not counting the college that's next to it. 4,400 seminary students. They graduate four to 500 preachers every year, and these aren't preachers who go out and don't know what to say. They are full of the Word of God and the Gospel, four to five hundred of them. One guy in my class is a Chinese preacher. He's, he pastors in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a Chinese pastor there. His father spent ten years in jail in China for preaching the Gospel. He's one of my classmates. The guy next to me on the other side of the table is a guy from Louisiana. He went down and started a church, the, the only gospel preaching church uh, in that area which is planted and it's now running two to three hundred. And uh, there's uh, people from, all, one of my friends is from Canada. You think it's cold here? He's up where the polar vortex originated. I mean, man, I, mean, I always feel good when I see him because I know he's got it worse than I do. I'm like, brother, God bless you. Then I feel bad when I see the guy from Louisiana because he's got it at 70 degrees. Well, actually, no, it is cold, so I am comforted somewhat. But they are from all over, and there's four to five. And Now, the Presbyterian church across the road went liberal along with Southern and stayed liberal. And they have 100 students. That tells you young people want to be trained by people who believe the Bible. I want you to know something. When you think a lot of youth are abandoning the faith and and that there is no hope for the future, the hope lies in this triumphant march of Christ where the lines are drawn, the boundary is clear, and the gospel is preached, and the Bible is held up as an authoritative word of God. It's not in the liberals. They they feel put down when we say that. But there is such a thing as truth, and there is such a thing as falsehood. And the Bible teaches, and I believe, and I'm preaching, that the Christian faith is the truth. It will save you and take you to heaven when you die and get you forgiveness on earth while you live. And so Paul is trying to make his point that there is an absolute triumph in God. My my question to you is, which side are you on? Have you taken your resources and your life and your future, your family your plans, and submitted them and aligned them with the victorious march of Jesus Christ the King? Are you in His triumphal procession? As He goes through history, gathering His people and putting down unbelief and casting out demons, because in Colossians 2.15, this same phrase is used of how Jesus marches through the demon powers and and being glorified by God that this seems sometimes like when he was missing Titus it seems like there's defeat but there is not there is victory and it seems to be 
uh, and the defeat is only in the hearts and minds of those who are on the wrong side. And my question is, are you aligned? Have you committed your life to follow Jesus Christ, the commander and chief? Now, I want to give you, time I have left, three quick reasons why you ought to do it. Why should I bring all my resources, all my future days, and all my life and my purposes and passions and, and bring them into line with the person of Jesus Christ? Based on this, this concept Paul uses of the triumphal procession, let me give you three reasons. It means when we say we're in His triumphal procession, it means you're not trying to get God to bless you or follow your agenda, but rather you are following His agenda, it means you're not trying to get God on your side. It means you don't have a side. You're just following His side. It doesn't mean that that you are taking control of your life. It means you're giving up control of your life to Him. As He marches through history, He may not go as fast as you want, He may not go the route, take the route in this procession that you'd like. I can imagine some soldiers thinking, boy, I hope he goes this route because that's where my house is. But the commander, you just follow at the pace he sets. Don't run up in the chariot and say, "Uh, let me drive for a while, Jesus. But rather, this is, why do we do this? Number one. We join Jesus in His procession, His triumphant procession, because it means that victory is certain. It is a triumphant procession. One of the ways you can know you will win is is if you are on the side of God and fighting the battles that God Himself is fighting. And let me give you a verse. In fact, um, you may need to skip down one, go to this next verse. This is when David was fighting Goliath. Remember that story, David and Goliath? Here's what David said. I always wonder why David tells Goliath, he announces beforehand, I'm going to cut your head off and hold it up in front of the Philistines and we're going to feed the bodies of all your uh, Philistine friends to the dogs and the cats out here. He's not going to, he doesn't hesitate. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'll cut your head off and all the earth will know there's a God in Israel. And all this assembly will know the Lord saves not with sword and spear. Why does he believe so confident? Because the battle is the Lord's. I'm not, David's saying, I'm not out here fighting my own battle. See, that's a triumphant procession. You're not fighting your own battle. You're in the battle that this commander has led you into. Why is David so confident? Because this is the battle that the Lord is fighting, and when you join the Lord in fighting His battles, then you know that victory is certain. See, don't get into fights and battles that it's not the battle of the Lord. I've got a neighbor... And uh, he got married again, and he, she rides the lawnmower and mows the yard. And I've noticed over the last couple of years that 
she started mowing in my yard. And this past summer, I mean, she's mowing over more and more and more and more. And it's kind of annoying because I feel like that she's kind of like, this is actually our yard. And, and, and I, I'll go out there and I'll see her, you know, and I thought about saying something one day and I thought, is this a battle I really want to fight? If she wants to mow part of my yard, fine. I feel, maybe she'll mow the rest of my yard and I won't have to worry about it. Pick your battles. See, if your wife does something or your husband does something and it's like, now is that a battle that you want to engage in? Here's a clue about life. Only pick the battles you can win and the only battles you can win are the Lord's battles. Then David can go against Goliath. Here's how I know I'm going to win, because this is not my battle. I wouldn't even be in this battle if it, wasn't the Lord, if it wasn't for the Lord. I am fighting this battle because it's the Lord's battle, and therefore I know this battle is going to be victorious for him and for me. He's responsible for the victory of it. See, I'm actually, and I don't think Christians are actually victorious Christians. We're just in the triumphal procession of the victorious Lord Jesus Christ. There's the victory. We're following His train of victory. We're swept up in the current and the momentum of His victory. And and so that is one of the great joys about being a follower of Jesus Christ is being fully devoted to Him, bringing all my resources into Him, is that this way I know these battles that I fight are now going to be victorious because they're the battles of the Lord. Let me give you a second reason. We should bring our resources, bring our hearts and lives in line with the risen Christ as He marches through history in His triumphal procession is because, number two, our resources will then be provided. When you fight His battles only, He will provide all the resources that you need. Paul asked this question in 1 Corinthians 9-7. He said, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? I've known some soldiers. They've been called overseas. Who, have you ever heard of a soldier anywhere when they said, uh, listen, show, uh, report to duty uh, and bring your own gun? <laughs> have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Or uh, uh, we're going to need some Jeeps over in Afghanistan, so bring your own Jeep or bring your own uniform. Everybody's got to provide their own uniform. Who, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 9, 7, who serves as a soldier at his, at his own expense? No. When you are in his army, the Lord, the commander, the Lord of hosts, will provide for each of his soldiers. This is not like one of those uh, advertisements you get in the mail where, you know, Free trip to Orlando. 
the magic kingdom. But then, of course, you have to get there, you have to pay for the airfare, and uh, all the meals, but we will buy you a ticket once you get here into the magic kingdom. But no, this is an all-expense-paid trip as we align ourselves with Jesus Christ. One final thing. Why should we align ourselves with Christ and bring all our resources and, and our future into line with His triumphal procession is because this gives us meaning in life. This gives us true purpose. It gives, it gives us a reason to live. There's something that's real and meaningful about my life. Many of us get depressed because everything is so superficial. Guys, there's something more excitable, more worthy to be focused on than the office reruns. Or... The zombie thing on Sunday nights. What's the name of that? Uh, the Walking Dead. Yeah, The Walking Dead. People get so excited about this stuff. Let me tell you, there's, there's something more important now. You see Paul's final statement? Who is sufficient for these things? My life makes a difference. I am fragrance of life for one and, and a divisive fragrance an odor of death to another. I am now a significant factor in the purposes of God in the earth. My life means something. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones tells about in World War II how he had all these men with psychological problems. He was a pastor in England. And he said, all these men with psychological problems, and then the war broke out. And all these men joined up. And when they came back from the war, it's like none of them showed back up at this psychiatrist's office because they, were, they forgot about their own lives and their own many dramas. And they were caught up in this great war against worldwide evil. And that's what being in the flow of God and in the current, in the procession of the triumphant Christ will do. It will give you something to live for that is absolutely essential in the earth. We have enough closing song. Let's pray together as they come to sing for us. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just strengthen us and help us and inspire us that we follow close to Christ and let, and let His battles be ours so that His victories are ours. And grant us the resources we need to do this task, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.